Good morning. The title of this morning's message is The Remedy for Disappointed Faith. This morning I want to talk to you about grace, faith, and disappointed faith. So we're going to look at what grace is, what faith is, and what happens to us when it looks like grace and faith aren't working, and why the truth of God's grace is always the remedy for disappointed faith. Our first scripture is in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, according to this scripture, are we saved by grace or are we saved by faith? Because a lot of times what you hear in the church today is you're saved by faith. Now, is that true? Am I saved by my faith? No. <laughs> <laughs> when we start to look at faith, faith can very quickly become a work. And it says right here, salvation is not a result of works. So the answer is we are saved by grace. So we're going to look at the scripture again uh, with a blank in the middle there, see? And we're going to put it all together. For by grace you have been saved, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We can see very clearly the intent of the scripture, is that the emphasis was supposed to be on grace, God's part of the equation. It was never supposed to be on faith, our part of the equation. It makes a big difference, especially when it looks like grace and faith aren't working. It matters where we're looking. The first thing I want you to see is that it is by God's grace, God's absolutely free loving kindness. Grace is a little word with big, 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 big meaning. <laughs> it is extravagant. It is far-reaching. It is higher and deeper and wider than we can imagine. There's so much in this little word we call grace. For me, to be able to wrap my mind around grace, God gave me this definition from a lexicon a long time ago. God's absolutely free. Loving kindness. Absolutely free. No strings attached. No fine print. <laughs> no obligation on my part at all. Absolutely free. Loving kindness. It is his unmerited favor. It is completely independent of us. God's goodness, God's grace is all in God, but it's towards us. So, there are no requirements for grace. There's no disqualifications for grace. Because God doesn't look at us and decide whether or not we deserve grace. He doesn't look to see if we've been somehow disqualified to receive his absolutely free loving kindness. Grace isn't given to us in response to our good deeds or our obedience. God's grace is always a free gift. Now you may be thinking, isn't this sort of remedial? <laughs> isn't this something we already know? It may be, but it's something we need to continually know again. 
We need to live in the ever-present reality. God is not judging me. And God is not mad at me. And God is not measuring me. What I do and what I don't do is irrelevant to His grace. His absolutely free loving kindness. It is completely independent of what I do. He loves me so much he can't help himself. <laughs> he has to be good to me. He just has to. When we look at the word grace in the Strong's Concordance, it says this. Graciousness. Grace means graciousness of manner or act. And it can be used abstractly or concretely, literally, figuratively, or spiritually. Especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. It includes gratitude. It can be translated acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, grace, gracious, joy, liberality, pleasure, thanks, and thanksgiving. That's all the ways this one little word can be translated, depending on how we use it. But what I want you to take note of is especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. God's grace, God's absolutely free loving kindness, affects our heart. Mark opened this morning talking about being established in grace. That grace is established in our heart, and it changes everything. When we look at the Webster's Dictionary, the word for grace, again, far-reaching explanations, but I want you to see them. We need to meditate these things. So often we think, well, I know that. <laughs> but what happens is there are those moments when you realize you've made a decision that's not necessarily in your best interest, and God says, it doesn't matter. I still love you. I still adore you. I still will take care of you. I still will meet your needs because I take care of you because I love you, not because you're so good. The first definition in the Webster's is favor, goodwill. I like that word, goodwill, two words, because God's will is good for me. God only has goodwill for me. The Lord said this morning, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil. God's plans for us are always good. Grace includes his kindness. Grace includes his disposition to oblige us. I like that one. Do you like that one? God likes to oblige us. He likes to give us what we want. He won't give us things that will hurt us, but he likes to give us things that we want. Grace is also a grant made as an action of his grace. Grace is the free, unmerited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all benefits that men receive from him. Everything good comes from God. He can't give you bad things. He doesn't have any bad things to give you. Number three, the favorable influence of God, the divine influence or the influence of the Spirit in renewing the heart and restraining from sin. We underestimate the power of God's grace in us. Grace is God's divine enablement in us. It has the ability to change our heart. Because the truth is, we don't have the ability to change our heart. Grace is also the application of Christ's righteousness to a sinner. You've got to love that one. It is a state of reconciliation. We live in a constant state of grace. I am constantly okay with God. I am constantly right with God. It's where I live. 
Grace is also spiritual instruction, improvement, and edification. It is, of course, eternal life and our final salvation, heaven. Praise God, that's a gift, that's God's grace. And it is favor, mercy, and pardon. Sometimes, because we try to concentrate on our righteousness here, that we are always righteous, sometimes we underestimate the power of pardon. Anybody here perfect yet? (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) And sometimes, even when I'm trying to do the right thing, it turns out to be the wrong thing. And my conscience goes, should have had a V8. You know? Oh, why did you do that? Oh, why did you say that? Oh, what's the matter with you? Condemnation comes. And it's then I have to go back to the truth of God's grace. That, one, he's not mad at me. Two, he's not going to punish me. And three, that I am pardoned. Yes, I do confess my sin, but not to be forgiven. When I blow it, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. Because, you see, what I need at that moment is I need the truth that I am already pardoned to cleanse my conscience. I fall short of God's perfection. I really wish I never did. The desire of my heart, I've told God for years, if you could just make me perfect, I would be so happy. But see, he has made me perfect in my spirit man. And he's working, he's working that perfection out in my life by his grace, not by my effort. God's grace, God's absolutely free loving kindness, God's goodness with no strings attached did all of the work of salvation. And that's why we call it a finished work. It is a completed gift and everything we need is in our salvation. We sang that song this morning, everything is mine in you. It's absolutely true. Everything I need for life and for godliness is in my benefit package in Christ. So, we are saved by grace alone. Nothing qualifies us for salvation and nothing disqualifies us for salvation. Our sins, our mistakes, and our failures do not disqualify us for God's salvation or for God's grace. When we blow it, the very thing we need is God's grace. God's divine influence on my heart. I would not know what sin was if the Holy Spirit did not tell me. You see, we can look at the law and say, well, this is sin and this is sin and this is sin, but grace calls you to a much higher standard. Grace calls you to love those who hate you. Grace calls you to do what you cannot do on your own. Grace always calls you to a much higher way of life. Grace calls us to walk in patience. That one can be hard. And we can't do it on our own. We need his divine influence in our heart, saying, choose love in this situation. Don't do what you feel. Do what you know. Sometimes Christians struggle, and we struggle with our struggles. In our mind, our struggles or our failures do disqualify us. Because when we're struggling with something, it is so easy to come under condemnation. So we feel disqualified, even when we're not. Now that's important. It's important that we never let ourselves live in condemnation, because what condemnation does is it clogs up your faith. I have a a drink here this morning. I carry my little drinks with me everywhere. (laughs) My husband says it's disgusting. It's (laughs) water and kombucha. (laughs) 
it's very good for you. <laughs> but faith is like a straw. You see, this is why we're not saved by our faith. We're saved through our faith. A lot of times, we're told we're saved by grace plus faith. God saved you. Now you maintain your faith to a certain degree, and that will then guarantee you get into heaven. So it's, it's Jesus plus your faithfulness. It's Jesus plus how hard you believe. It's Jesus plus your faith. No. No. It's just Jesus. <laughs> it's just Jesus. And sometimes in the Christian world, you can fall into the trap of believing that if I believe hard enough, God has to do something. Now, you may not think, oh, I would never do that. But there was a time, bazillions of years ago, <laughs> when I trusted God to do something. My first husband, who's gone on to be with the Lord, was unfaithful. And when I found out, I was really ticked off at God. God, I trusted you to keep him faithful. <laughs> what is wrong with you, God? <laughs> God, I did everything right. I did all my believing. I memorized all my scriptures. I did all my praying. I did all my fasting. God, I believed really hard. And you failed. And God said to me, honey, <laughs> I never told you I could do that. But I believed you could. And God said, I cannot control other people. I can interfere. I can influence their heart. I can send the wagons to circle. <laughs> I can send laborers into their field. There's lots of things I did to prevent him from destroying himself. But he would not. And he says, that's the one thing I cannot do. I cannot make people choose me or what's right. It doesn't matter how hard you believe me to do it. <laughs> it doesn't work. God never takes away somebody's free will. So we can fall into that trap, the thinking that if I believe hard enough, God becomes my debtor, and he owes me something. That if I believe strong enough and hard enough, I can't tell you how many years I spent trying to be really strong in faith. Oh, I'm going to make stuff happen. You cannot make anything happen. <laughs> you can't. That's not what faith does. Faith is just the means by where we receive what grace has purchased. Faith is a lot like a straw. A straw doesn't produce anything. My straw that's in my drink here, I can't take my straw out of my drink and get anything but air. A straw only moves what's in my cup into my belly, <laughs> into my mouth. It moves things. It's the vehicle where things are moved. But the straw doesn't create anything. And so often we think it is our faith that's going to create our healing or our provision or our righteousness. It's, 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 it's what I do that causes stuff. And it isn't true. Faith just moves things from one realm to another realm. 
Faith doesn't make God do stuff. Sometimes it would be nice if we could get God to work that out for us. <laughs> I'll believe this, God. I'll make you do stuff. No, it doesn't work that way. Faith only receives what's already provided. But what I really like is this idea of seeing things move because of faith. The straw enables me to move the liquid from one realm to another realm. The straw, our faith, enables us to move what's in the spiritual realm into the natural realm. That's why God gave it to us. Faith, if we look at it in the Strong's Concordance, says this. Faith is persuasion. It is belief. It is moral conviction. It is being convinced of religious truth or of the truthfulness of God. It's, of course, especially reliance upon Christ for salvation. But at the very core of faith is being convinced of the truthfulness of God. Now, we might think that's really, really easy. Of course I believe what God says. <laughs> yeah? You sure about that? Faith means to be persuaded or convinced of the truthfulness of God. Think about that. You know what doubt is? It's not being convinced of the truthfulness of God. And it's something that we can fall into. We're going to look at the biblical definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is in the Amplified, because I want you to see the fuller explanation. This is one of the things that you can do on your own. The Amplified is real good, but also when you have a verse that means something to you, if you take each individual word and study them out, what will happen is whatever God is ministering to you in that word will begin to get bigger. It's just the way he works. He works through his word. This is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the assurance, the title read, the confirmation of things hoped for. I love this part. Divinely guaranteed. Divinely guaranteed. And the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So, faith is being absolutely sure of the reality of the things that are divinely guaranteed. What is divinely guaranteed? What's in your heavenly bank account? What's in there? It's guaranteed. It's real. It isn't imaginary. So often, I think we fall into the temptation that it's somehow not really there. And if I believe hard enough, God will create it <laughs> and bring it to me. <laughs> when the truth is, he says, no, I want you to understand that this is a guarantee. It's a title deed. It's a receipt. This is real. It's yours. You can go to the bank with this. <laughs> so faith is being sure of the reality of the things that are divinely guaranteed and then being entirely convinced of their factual reality. Here's the tricky part. Apart from our senses. That's the tricky part. Now, the best explanation of this, or example, would be our righteousness. Our righteousness is guaranteed. Our right standing is guaranteed. It's a done deal. Even though we fall, and we fall under condemnation, our righteousness never changes. Our right standing always remains the same. But does it feel real? Not always. <laughs> Sometimes our feelings, we come under condemnation. Guilt, shame, all of those horrible things. 
None of that changes the divine reality. None of it. That's the point. It is believing in the truthfulness of God that I am righteous even when I don't feel like it. Even when I just did something and it doesn't look like it. <laughs> he says you're still righteous because of what I say is true. Not because it feels true to you. So our righteousness is a divine reality apart from how we feel. It is a free gift that never changes based on our performance. So why do we believe that we're made the righteousness of God in Christ? Because we believe in the truthfulness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. We believe that because it's what God says, not because we feel it. We believe that Jesus bore our sins on the cross, even though we didn't see it. We believe Jesus took our sins to the cross, even though we didn't feel it. Because we believe he did it, based on the truthfulness of God, then that reality can be received as the divine guarantee. The righteousness of God is moved by our faith straw from God's realm into our realm, simply because we believe. Our faith straw <laughs> moves things from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. Now here's my definition of faith. Faith is being absolutely sure of the things that are divinely guaranteed and being absolutely convinced of their reality in our lives, apart from feelings, either emotional or physical. Now, let's put this all together in our scripture here. Ephesians 2, 8. This is the really amplified edition. <laughs> For by grace, God's absolutely free loving kindness and his divine influence upon our heart, we have been saved. For by grace we have been healed. For by grace we have been delivered. For by grace we have been prospered. For by grace we have been protected. For by grace we have been made whole. That's the divine reality. Those things are real and it is a gift. All of it is a gift. And how do we get them? How do we move the divine realities from one realm into the next one? Through our faith straw. By means of believing in the reality of these things, that are divinely guaranteed and by being convinced of their reality apart from how I feel about them, physically or spiritually. And all of this is none of our own doing. It is not our own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not a result of our works so that no one may boast. Now, sometimes when people read this scripture, they say, it is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? When we looked at it first, we said it's obviously that grace is the gift of God. But guess what? Faith is also the gift of God. Romans 12.3 says this, According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has given everybody a straw. <laughs> everybody gets to move things if they want to from the heavenly realm into the natural realm. And he didn't just give us any old straw. He gave us Jesus' straw. In Romans 3.22, it says this, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Lots of translations today will go ahead and change that to faith in. It's what you do. If I put my faith in, that's not what the scripture says. Of means comes from. So it actually says this, 
even the righteousness of God, which is by faith that comes from Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. Faith is what Jesus does in us. It's not a work of our hands. Philippians 3.9 says this, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith that comes from Christ, the righteousness which is of God, which comes from God by faith. We possess the faith, the faith straw of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever Jesus can do, we have the potential to do too. He gave us the same equipment. Now that's pretty amazing. Do we believe that? <laughs> he can't lie, right? So we have to decide, can I really move what's in the kingdom of God into my life the same way Jesus did? The answer is absolutely yes. Faith is first and foremost always for righteousness. Right standing with God is the foundation of our faith. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I used to think this was two different things, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's actually all one thing. It all comes together. If you get righteousness, you get the kingdom. You can't get the kingdom apart from the righteousness. It's all one package. So everything in the kingdom, all the divine realities are yours the moment you become righteous. And they're transferable the moment you realize that that's true. This is one of the reasons why God is so adamant that you know that you are always righteous, that you are always approved of in his sight. You can get your straw clogged. I used to put apples in my drink. You poke your little straw in there, and I get little pieces of apples in my straw, and I would try to move my liquid from one realm to the other, and it wouldn't move. <laughs> and my straw got clogged. That's what condemnation does. It affects your faith. It affects the way we think we deserve to be treated. Condemnation says, I don't deserve good things. That's not true. We don't deserve because of what we've done. We deserve because of Jesus says, I've made you like me. So we have to be careful about the things that clog up our straw, or we won't be able to move things from one kingdom into the other. So when we do get condemnation, we go to our Father, and we get that divine influence upon our heart. Grace. He ministers to our heart, and he removes the clog. He removes the clogs in our faith straw. We don't. We can't. If we're under condemnation, we are no help to anybody. <laughs> our straw will be clogged. Now that matters when you go to pray for other people. See, if you're living under condemnation and you're trying to lay hands on the sick and your faith straw is all clogged up with condemnation because God couldn't use me, could he? Of course he could. It has nothing to do with you. <laughs> it has everything to do with Jesus. But we fall into these traps of thinking God will or will not do something based on how well I have performed. We always have to go back to grace. We always have to go back to righteousness. No matter what's going on in our life, if we know we're righteous, we have access to the grace of God. Grace and faith always go hand in hand. Grace provides everything we need, and faith takes what has been divinely guaranteed. God always gives. God always gives, but we don't always take because we're under condemnation. 
Faith is something that takes place in our heart. That's why we need grace, God's divine influence upon our heart. Because our head can know what's right, and yet our hearts still condemn us. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Faith is something that takes place in our heart. God's grace influences our heart. Now, in Jewish thought, the heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions. All of it. But sometimes what happens is we're under condemnation in our heart, but we know the truth. So we think we're in faith because we know the truth. But you got a clogged straw. <laughs> and so we do what we know to do. We anoint the sick with oil. We pray over them in the name of the Lord. We do all the formulas that we know. We do the right things. And then it looks like nothing happened. I've even heard people say, I prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. Really? Did God not hear you? Because that's what that says. I've been there. Maybe y'all are perfect, but not me. Because <laughs> it feels that way. I did everything right, God. You didn't answer. God's grace, the divine realities, are always released. The word says, if we know that he hears us, then we know we have the petitions that we've asked of him. If we ask anything according to his will, he said, so you have to go back to the, is that true? Is it really true that what I ask, God gives? Every time. Every time. What happens is we check how we feel to see if God was faithful. We lay hands on the sick, and if they don't feel better, God didn't do anything. Is it true? No. No, it's not true. God always gives. The divine realities are always released. What's the qualification? Got to take it. What does that mean? It means he gave it. He always gives. You ask. He says yes. All of the promises are yes and amen. Yes, and it's done. But the truth is, we check the physical realm to see if God is faithful. And then we say things like, nothing happened. The truth is, this is where we fall into what's called disappointed faith. When we have believed for something, whether it's healing, or in my case, a faithful husband. <laughs> I have believed in God, and I have done what you said, and I've been in your word, and I've done all of these things. And it looks like nothing happened. And so our faith gets disappointed because we think God didn't answer. There have been times in my life when I did the same thing over and over again because I was taught it was my faith that moved God. I could get God to do stuff for me if I just believed hard enough. And I could build my own faith. It's not true. Faith is a gift. Now you can facilitate being available for faith, but you can't make faith all on your own. What happened to me is I believed for God to do something in a job I once had and to make me able to do something that I physically could not do. 
God never told me he would do that for me, but I decided <laughs> that if I believed hard enough, God would do this for me. And he didn't. And so for a year, for an entire year, I did not believe God. I went to church. I prayed every day. But I came to the point where I was suspicious of God's motive, God's faithfulness. I would go to church and I would sift everything I heard. Is this really you? I don't know if I can believe that God. I don't know if I can believe that God. Because I was basing my faith in God on my experience and my wrong understanding. I kept looking at my faith instead of looking at God's grace. I kept looking at what I was experiencing instead of looking at what God said was divinely guaranteed. And because I didn't know God was good, and God always, 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 he always gives. Does he ever deny anybody salvation? You minister to somebody, and you say, if you ask Jesus to forgive you, will he ever not forgive you? Of course not. We wouldn't think that at all. But when it comes to healing, especially healing, there was a time when I could not say, God always gives, because I didn't believe it. But the more I learn about God's grace and the divine realities that are guaranteed, we have God's guarantee, not Walmart's guarantee, not true values guarantee. We have God's guarantee that healing is available, that prosperity is available, that it's real. It exists right now. And all we got to do is use our straw to move it from one realm to the other. And the straw is based on the fact is, does God lie? Is God good? But see, our heart can become suspicious. It can become disappointed when we don't know that that's the truth, that there is no fault in God, that our problem is usually us. <laughs> but sometimes it's not even us, especially when you're talking about dealing with somebody else. The Lord began to speak to me a few months ago about this concept of disappointed faith. I heard a minister use that word, and I thought, oh, I understand that. It happens to us when we don't see what we've been believing for and what we've been expecting. It happens to us. God, why didn't you heal them? God, why did they go home early? God, why? God, we did everything we knew to do. Why didn't you? That's saying God didn't give. But he did. He always does. But sometimes our straw gets clogged. And we don't take. We don't move the divine reality from one realm to the other because our faith straw got clogged with condemnation, guilt, shame. It's not because anything God did or didn't do. It's because the enemy is a liar. When I was believing for healing for fibromyalgia, I told God, look, God, I believe as hard as I can believe. What is it going to take to actually get healed? And he said, you already are. <laughs> you have to keep believing. You see, my problem was natural unbelief. Our bodies talk to us all of the time. All of the time. And sometimes the amount of unbelief caused by constant pain 
and I was in constant pain, causes us to doubt the goodness of God, those divine realities. I would say, I believe I receive, I believe I'm healed. And two minutes later, it's like, when, Jesus, when? <laughs> when? What am I saying? You didn't give. I checked my body, and you didn't do anything. Not true. He gave. But I didn't take. I was waiting for evidence in my body to believe the divine reality. And to make it worse, I was double-minded. I was in so much pain that I would go from, God, I believe I received, to God, just take me home. Just take me home, Jesus. Because <laughs> I don't want to live like this. A double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. You know what it does not say? A double-minded man is not given what he asked for. It doesn't say that. God says, if you believe you receive when you pray, he gives it. He gives it. He gives it. But we don't believe it unless we feel it. But the truth is, we're not going to feel it until we believe it. <laughs> we have to ask Jesus to help us with our unbelief. This minister, his name is Gary Cassie. He wrote a book called Faith Hunt. And God taught him how to operate in the kingdom by faith. And he has wonderful stories. God used hunting. And so this is the quick version of what God taught him. Mark eleven twenty four. This is Jesus talking. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Is that true? That's what we have to always go back to. He says, I give. I always give. I always release. It's always there for you. You can have anything that's in your divinely guaranteed benefit package. So you have to believe you receive when you pray, not when you feel it. You have to believe it's released when you pray. The check is written. The receipt is given. The title deed is made out. It's yours. And then he says, and then pray the prayer of agreement with somebody. That's how I got healed. I spent two weeks getting rid of unbelief. I watched every healing thing I could watch to get all that unbelief out of my heart, to get my straw unclogged. <laughs> because it is the word of God and the glory of God and the testimony of other people that will clear out your clogged straw. And so that's what I did. So he told his son all of this. Pray the prayer of agreement. That's really good if you're married. You see, I could believe with my husband for my healing, but if I'm turning around and when he's not looking, going, God, just take me home. Just take me home, Jesus. Am I in agreement? No. And he's not, he's like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> it won't work if I'm out of agreement. So he told his son, always pray in agreement with somebody and be in agreement. Believe you receive when you pray and give thanks. When you believe something, you act on it. So he taught his son to sow a seed. I believe this. It's just taking a step of faith. That's all it is. What happened to his son is the same thing that happened to him. You go out every year, and in 45 minutes, you get your deer. For 15 years, this is that. God brings deer to his tree. <laughs> because he believed he received his deer when he wrote his check. That was his act of faith. Now, his son has seen dad do this for 15 years in a row. God always gives. So his son goes out, his first year hunting. He's like 10 or 12 years old. They're in a tree. 
He's done everything he was supposed to do. He prayed with his dad, and he believed he received, and he sowed his seed, and he knows he's getting the deer. And they go out on their very first day, and the deer comes walking up to the tree. Why? Because it's his. And he gets so excited, because this is his very first time shooting a deer. And he shoots, and he only wounds it. It's not a clear shot. And the deer runs away. And they think, oh, because they're praying, God, please let it die. <laughs> we don't want it to suffer. Please let it die. I did that with a mouse recently. <laughs> let it die, guys. Let it die. <laughs> and they couldn't find it. It hadn't been wounded severely enough where it, it died, and they never found it. So now the little boy is disappointed. And so they went out the next day, no deer came. And they went out the next day, and no deer came. And the little boy's countenance is getting more and more disappointed. He thinks, God failed. I didn't get my deer. Did God bring it? Yes, he did. Did the little boy's faith fail? No! <laughs> it worked! The deer came right up to his tree! His faith worked just fine. There was nothing wrong with grace, and there was nothing wrong with faith. There was just a little incident with the flesh. <laughs> it was there. They said it was so close they could almost touch the deer. <laughs> God gave. His faith worked. The deer came, but he failed to apprehend because he was inexperienced. His flesh got in the way. And what was given and what was brought, everything worked correctly. Everything worked the way God says it worked. Sometimes we're looking for a reason. God, did you not give? God, did my faith fail? Or are we just inexperienced at taking? You see, it makes a big difference when you know, okay, it's just a flesh thing. I can fix that part. You know how I do that? I go to Jesus. You see, and that's what this man told his son. Go back to your word. Get in the word. Let Jesus talk to you. Because your faith is disappointed. You think there's something wrong with your faith. There's nothing wrong with your faith. Your execution was affected by your flesh. But God did exactly what he said he would do. God gave. Your faith worked. Inexperience got in the way. My point of this is, so often when we don't see what we're expecting for, the temptation is to say, God, why didn't you? But if we have to always go back to grace. It's a divine guarantee. If we know it's grace, we know there's nothing wrong with God. God did not fail. And we can go to our faith and say, okay, did it come? Did I see it? And you know what? Most of the time, even though we don't apprehend it, you'll see it. There are going to be times we don't know. But what we do know, we have to go back to. God is good. God always gives. Faith always takes. But sometimes our flesh gets in the way. And what do we do with that? Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus does not mean glancing at him once in a while. <laughs> looking unto Jesus means to intently focus on Jesus, to intensify our looking at Jesus. It says Jesus is the author and the finisher. Author means the one who causes. Jesus is the one who causes our faith. We don't cause our faith. We have to go to Jesus to get faith. 
He causes our faith, and he divinely influences our heart by the word of his truth. Faith comes by hearing and by the hearing by the word of God. That is the spoken word of God. This is all about relationship. All about relationship. Jesus is the finisher of our faith. He's the one who brings our faith to maturity and completeness. He's the one that helps us overcome unbelief. We don't understand that our physical body talks to us and causes natural unbelief. And it can get the best of us so that we don't apprehend what's readily available to us. But Jesus says he is the author and the finisher, the completer. He brings our faith to the point where we do apprehend. Only he can do that in us. We can't do it. But what we can do is that we can go to him. We can go to him and remind ourselves to believe that all of this is true. That when he says, all things whatsoever ye pray and ask for, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's true. It's always true. God is always good. God is always gracious. God always gives. God is not withholding any kindness or benefit that we need. It is by his grace, his absolutely free love and kindness, because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, that he never has to hold our sins against us, or our failures, or our disappointments. It is by grace that we are saved. It is by grace that we are healed. It is by grace that we are delivered. It is by grace that we are protected. It is by grace that we are provided for. It is by his grace that we are made whole. It is by his grace that we have faith. It is by his grace. This morning, I do want you to receive communion because communion is one of the ways not only do we celebrate this grace, but it's a time that we can take the divine realities, the divinely guaranteed healing, the divinely guaranteed provision, the divinely guaranteed. We can take it this morning when we take communion. That's my encouragement for you this morning, is whatever you have need of, take. Believe you receive when you pray, and you shall have it. He's given you the grace. He's given you the faith. He's given you the ability to move things from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of our world. It's a reality. I'm going to ask you to do something I've never asked you to do, I'm going to ask you to look in your heart. Not for sin, but for truth. Jesus, is my straw clogged? <laughs> Am I in sorrow? Am I in condemnation? Do I believe that you failed? Do I believe that I failed? And let God speak to those things. Let God speak to those things. Because he is the one who enables us to do this. He wants us to walk in our divine realities. You are free to take it any time, but if you prefer, you may wait until Sarah finishes the song and we go partake together. Jesus, you are everything to us. You are the face of God. You are the grace of God. You are our faith. You are our breath and our life. You are everything we need. Jesus, I ask that you administer to your people, to your beautiful children, that you minister grace to those places where we don't understand, that you would divinely influence our heart, and that we would let you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
We thank you for your body, Jesus. We thank you for purchasing our healing. We thank you that by your stripes we are healed. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. We thank you for your blood, the blood that has washed away every sin and every failure and every mistake, the blood that makes us acceptable and approved in your sight, the blood that gives us life and new life. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you are and for all that you've done and all that you continue to do in our heart and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.